Greetings and hello to everyone. This is the Business of Betting podcast, and I'm your host, Jake Williams. Today is episode 31, and we have Ryan Carruthers joining the show. Ryan is the founding member of the Betfair trading community. Ryan started trading horses and has moved on to be a professional sports trader, focusing on soccer, tennis, and the NFL. Ryan talks about what he has learned trading full-time for many years and some of his tips and best advice for traders out there. Check out his platform at betfairtradingcommunity.com. Also, go on to businessofbetting.com to see a trading plan that Ryan references in this episode. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. As always, you can find us at businessofbetting.com or at bettingpod on Twitter. Please fire in any questions or feedback and potential guests you would like to hear from. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy my chat with Ryan Carruthers. Today I'm joined by Ryan Carruthers. Ryan, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. You're one of the only people who, without me telling them, introduced my surname correctly. Oh, that's a good start for the podcast. (laughs) Very good start. Ryan, do you remember the first bet you ever had? Yes. The first bet I ever had was when I was well under the age of 18, um, probably similar to most people. I don't actually remember the horse, but it was on the Grand National. Um, used to go to the bookies. That was my sort of once a year allowed family event. Um, get the bets on in the morning and then all sit around the telly in the afternoon and watch the race. And that kick-started a life of, of betting, is is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I was always majorly interested in the horses. Um, and then my, I really fully started with the betting and then the trading when I turned 18. And I'll never forget, I was at university in Lincoln, where I'm from, and I had this huge gap on a Monday afternoon and somebody said to me oh I'm going to go to the bookies because they like the roulette machines the computerized ones in the bookmakers do you want to come with me and I was like yeah cool um, so walked into the the bookies and it was a smoky horrible atmosphere and um, yeah I started uh, betting on the horses and then uh, got chatting to an old man because I couldn't pick a winner to save my life And he said to me, what you need, mate, is uh, Betfair, because you can pick horses to lose. So I skipped my five o'clock lecture. Literally, this is as God as my witness. This is a true story. I deposited my student loan into my betting account with Betfair. And I started to lay, yeah, no, a bit crazy. And I started to lay horses, and I never went back to university. That's incredible. So... You dropped out of university then? What were you studying then? I was studying business studies. And um, funnily enough, I did go back a couple of years later, but spent more time trading than actual university. Um, but yeah, I studied business, dropped out, and um, I wasn't enjoying it too much anyway. Um, spent most of my time 
learning about horse racing and all those kind of things, which coincided anyway, because I had a car accident, which sort of put me out of action for a couple of weeks. Nothing too drastic, um, just sort of bed rest and that. So obviously laptop on the horse racing on in the day. What a way to get better. (laughs) That's some sort of healing powers involved there, right? Oh, majorly, and it's spawned this massive monstrous passion in me that's been going on for like 10, 11 years now. So what what was 18 or 19-year-old Ryan thinking when he deposited all that money in the betting account or the Betfair account and thought about starting to pick losers? Did you have any plan or strategy or approach, or what was your mindset? Uh, there wasn't really much of a strategy just the fact that i i sort of had a knack of picking horses that that weren't going to do very well and then from that i started when i started to actually pick some that won i started to break that down and look at the fact that okay why did they win all right well i'd missed it i'd not read the form or i'd not taken into account that the jockey or the trainer or the ground so what i started to do there was then look at money management because I thought, God, I don't want to lose all my money. Um, so we started to look at staking and I started to read a bit more about staking plans. And then I also started to put together um, a way of picking them, really. So that was looking at horses, watching back on on videos and just, just pull as much information um, to try and aid my, my decision as possible. And think, I always had this question in my head that, what is going to beat this horse? And then from there, I would start writing up notes like the ground is against this horse. This horse does not like this type of ground. Or there's a couple of other good horses that prefer the ground and the rest of the conditions and they've got a better jockey, etc., etc. And then that developed and I started to, to spend more time and energy really on um, on improving my mindset because I knew that this was quite emotional and there was feelings and stuff that I was doing sort of chasing some losses and those kind of things, all the kind of things that we all go through, but this can't actually uh, happen if I want to continue to do this. Um, And I also was earning some seriously good money at such a young age that I thought, God, I need to make this last for as long as possible. So what was available to you at that time? And I have no idea. Was was a bet fair and was there other exchanges up and running? Was it did you have to go to the bookmaker and, and bet on, you know, every other horse in the race to win so that you were essentially winning a horse? <laughs> How did it actually work back then? No, it was pretty much racing post and betfair, um, back in those days. It was when Betfair was really in its infancy. So you had the the forum on Betfair as well, which was a horrible place to be. Um, but yeah, we, so Betfair was just in its infancy and it was just starting to really take off at the time. And then how did you sort of develop your strategies? You mentioned some of it with, um, understanding the horses. Were you only trading horses and dedicating your time to, to knowing the horses well, so you could pick the ones that weren't going to win? Yeah. And then I started to, over the course of sort of the next 18 months, sort of fell into to other things as well really so I was spotting because I was doing all my research in the morning I was spotting that certain things were happening with the horses so you might find a horse that is becoming a steaming horse you know it's the price is moving in and I was like 
well, do you know what? Now with Betfair, I can actually back and lay that. And then that's where this whole trading thing came from. So I sort of stumbled upon it and then realised that I really, really enjoyed it. And I wonder what other sports I could apply this to because I was a massive football fan and I also loved tennis. And if I could effectively get paid for, for watching those sports, then game on, really. So then I started to sort of move into those um, sports and see that the way that the markets were moving anyway were mechanical, things were driving them, especially before the event or even during the event. An event happens, a goal, and then the market reacts to that. Um, and this was across all sports. Um, so I just applied that that knowledge and started to, to literally sit and watch the markets on my hands, literally sat on my hands so I couldn't bet, <laughs> and just watch what happened to the market. So when a goal was scored, what happened to the team's odds, to the, the correct score odds, all those kind of things. And then started to speak to more people who were, were doing it and then learning from, from them. So I want to get to sports, but before we do, so in the beginning, were you only laying horses? Is that correct? Yes, so only laying horses. Did you need a decent bankroll? I mean, I know you can lay for small amounts, but I'm guessing the, the lay price was pretty small and you were collecting pennies along along the way. Is that a fair assessment or was it different to that? Yeah, I was a bit reckless initially. So I had like £1,800 in my account and I was laying to like t- between 10 and £50 stakes. And some of those horses were a little bit scary before I really learned about about everything but I had a ridiculously good strike rate so I ended up over the course of the summer building a bank of around 22,000 which became my my sort of trading bank and then after that summer that's when I really hankered in and was like right I've got a huge amount of money for such a young person yeah let's let's now start properly managing that so do you think Obviously, there was a fair bit of skill, but do you think there was a little bit of luck or would you suggest to someone today who wants to get involved, is interested to do something like that in the beginning or what are your thoughts, I guess, looking back? (laughs) I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Um, And one of the, it's it's really strange now, I don't know whether it's because I'm getting older or, or what, but I'm looking back and reflecting on sort of the last 12 years of my life really and I'm just thinking, certain things are, are popping out to me that I wish I I hadn't done or if I did I'd do differently and I read a great book um, by Nassim Taleb which is a great book for anyone getting into trading and it's called Fooled by Randomness and it basically says that you could live your life there's a trader in the in the story and he could live his life a hundred times over and never make the same profit or loss because it's going to be different, different variables. So I wouldn't recommend what I did to absolutely anybody. Um, there was a fair bit of luck involved. And then from that, I've made my own luck by educating myself and getting better at things like bank management and risk risk management. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think there was nine or 99 other 18-year-olds who put a 1,000 pounds or 2,000 pounds in an account oh, yes. and are now, you know, unfortunately for them, accountants or lawyers or doctors? Yes, indeed. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So when you when you started to transition from only laying horses to starting to essentially back and lay and trade, how yeah. difficult was that? Oh, majorly. 
there's a whole there's a whole new entity, one that I wasn't a hundred percent sure on, and it was just something that not many other people were doing as well. So I learned a lot of hard lessons, and a lot I lost, I did lose some money because I couldn't band these ideas around, and you know I was doing some daft things like backing a horse because it was steaming. And then thinking, oh, God, it's drifted out against me. What am I going to do? So I did that fatal thing that everybody involved in Betfair trading, if they'll admit it, has done where you take a horse in play to get matched at the price. And all you see is that price just going out and out and out and out and out. And you literally want to bang your head against the laptop (laughs) or computer. And you're like, why did I do that? Um, so yeah, it was very difficult, and I learned a lot of a lot of hard lessons. But I did spend I spent hours at night trawling the internet for people doing this, and I did meet meet a couple of people, um, and then spoke to them, and we sort of everybody sort of helped each other. And then there was the Betfair forum at the time, which wasn't the best place to be. Not many people were that helpful, but there was some gold in that that forum, and. You could you could pick up a few things and then your own experience. I was very very good at jotting down what had actually happened, why the markets had moved, why I thought markets had moved that way, and then I'd watch them again, like I've said, and and see if that was reaffirmed. The Betfair Exchange isn't a house that sets the odds. It's betting at its purest. One punter's opinion against another's. Play the game within the game at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. So tell us the difference between trading and just simply betting. I think, you know, a lot of people would probably on the weekends, whether it's their sports team or horses or whatever it might be, would place a win bet or what a combination of win bets or things like that. You're placing win or, or back and lay bets, uh, you know, all the time in multiple markets on multiple horses, yep. I would imagine. Or sorry, sports now, but... Take yeah. us through what you understand to be the difference, and I guess for the listener, between betting and trading. Okay, well, trading, you're not actually worried about the event. The event doesn't have to fully happen for you to win. So when you're placing a bet, for me, the definition is it's a punt. You're hoping that something is going to happen. So you're backing Liverpool to beat Man United. I always use this example staunch Liverpool fan you're backing Liverpool to beat Man United you're hoping that Liverpool are going to beat Man United but when you're trading you're managing the downside of that so you're looking at that going well okay I'm going to back Liverpool to win for a period of 30 minutes because the stats tell me that Liverpool score all of their goals in the first 30 minutes and then I'm going to reduce that if they aren't winning I'm going to reduce my potential loss and sell my my bet effectively and take a re, and take a loss, but a smaller loss than if you just chucked a hundred pounds on Liverpool to win. So you are with trading, you are constantly monitoring the market, and you're not in it for the whole duration. So effectively, it's a calculated decision. Whereas for me, a bet is a punt. You're hoping that something will happen. Okay, so if you punted $100 on Liverpool, you're sitting back watching it and you know you win or you lose. If you trade or you potentially want to trade on Liverpool and you're, the example you mentioned, the first 30 minutes, you think there's a better chance of, um, I guess, them scoring. 
after 30 yep. minutes, if they're 1-0 up, um, are you always yep. trading out? Is that how it functions? Yeah, I always I always trade out. One of the things that really sort of changed my my whole trading career is when I, I started to read more around the subject and and think I used to explain to people that I was trading on Betfair and they're like, Well what's that? I said, Well it's like investing on the stock market, although I'm investing in athletes and sports teams. And then that struck a chord with me and I was like, There is so many parallels to the stock market here. So I started to read a lot more about the stock market and something this now this is like the best thing I've ever done and I advise absolutely everybody to do this and I, I wrote a really good blog post on this on betfairtradingcommunity.com which is my website and it's about a trading plan and how you have to have one. Now before I go into any trade at all I've got all of the stats all of my data to back up my decision on that I've got my entry point and the event in which I'm going to enter. So that might be a certain price or a certain time in the game or after a certain event. And then I've got my exit as well. And that is set in stone for me. So in that example, if my exit was 30 minutes, Liverpool were drawing or losing, whatever, get out, take the loss. Or my, and in that case, my exit would be if Liverpool go one and up. So Liverpool have gone one and up. Take the money. Just don't, don't risk it. That's my strategy. That's the way I'm trading. Don't try and drag out the profit. Just if, stick to your trading plan. Entry point, exit point, get out, move on. What if Liverpool score in the twelfth minute? Are you waiting until the thirtieth minute in a? carefully executed staking plan if that's the exit point or is there flexibility or can you deviate for me there's no flexibility if Liverpool took the lead in the first 12 minutes I'd be running and jumping around the house and I would definitely <laughs> I would definitely especially against Man United and I would uh, I'd just take that I'd take the profit and move on and then most of the times I don't even monitor the rest of the game once I'm out I'm out and I'll get it the next day or that evening I'm not interested in in what could have been. That was one of the things that I stopped doing a long time ago. Okay. So, sports betting, if you're betting against a spread, as they say here in the US, or, or the line bets, yeah. you've got to hit something like 52.4% to break even. What yeah. is? What about you? What are your, I guess, thoughts on this topic as a trader? I, a lot of your bets, either close to break even or winning bets, um, what percentage are you looking to hit? How do you think about it? I guess it's pretty simplified in, in sports betting, but I'm imagining your trading portfolio and the different markets you're using. It's not just you know Liverpool to win. It's probably win-draw markets or correct score yeah. markets and a whole bunch of different ones. So how do you think about it? If you could simplify it, how would you simplify it? I, first of all, take a long-term view over the whole year. So as long as I'm up over the whole year, I'm, I'm happy. My strike rate these days is... It's pretty high, um, and I tend to do. I tend. It's, it's quite strange when people people talk to me. They they genuinely think that I sit and trade all day now, and I don't. I don't do that at all. It's three three trades a day, uh, usually sometimes none, um, and they are very very carefully planned out trades. Um, the markets in which. I'm involved in are the match odds markets in football. I am involved in the tennis match odds. 
I don't touch the correct score because it's an absolute minefield for me and it's never it's it's just too many bells and whistles it's just going on I know some people do really well for it but me I can't get my head around it and I use the um, the unders and overs markets a lot so what about something like tennis so let's go back to the hundred dollar example yeah uh, in in a football match or the Liverpool match I'm guessing if a goal score for Liverpool it drastically impacts the the win market whereas tennis yes. you know it might be if it's a five set match at Wimbledon and you know, Federer breaks serve in the first set, it'll have an impact on the, the win markets, but it, I wouldn't imagine it to be, let's say it's Federer-Murray, it's not going to be drastic. Or yeah. if Murray breaks Federer, it's not drastic. So in that soccer example, for that $100, are you looking to turn that into 200 Or uh, I guess in the tennis example, if there's a break in the first set and, and you're trading and actively trading, are you looking to turn that 100 into $107 or $112? Talk us mm-hmm. through the... I guess when you have the the state or the the careful plans you put together, what are the yeah. aims for a lot of them? Well, my my careful, I've been through that that process with tennis. So if you take that example that you mentioned, that's how I used to trade. Uh, I used to gather all the stats because I believe that that the devil is in the stats. So the more statistical information that you can create and possess on a specific event. You can really get granular with it. Um, and I used to do that. I used to look for, for tennis players that could hold and break serves, etc., etc. But then I, des- I designed a, a whole spreadsheet system. And, and I found that, for me, the best way to trade tennis was to do the whole of the first set. So I dragged all the stats and all the data out now. So... I will be. I'd be backing Federer in that first set to win the first set, and then at the end of that first set, I'd be getting out. So that hundred pound stake with Federer, I might be looking at sort of a fifty percent between sort of thirty to fifty, sixty percent, depending on how the game went, return on my investment on that stake. And then football is it very different? Football is similar. Very, very similar, although my stakes increase depending. So for for a lot of the football trades that, that I'm doing at the moment is all, is all pre-match. Um, so I put a lot more on and I will do maybe one or two ticks. So I might be putting on £1,000 and pulling out one tick movement at 30 and just literally get one or two ticks, 30, 60 pounds, and out we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's Sort of straight. It's really strange how my trading has changed over the years. So you mentioned you dig into the stats and you you're really in tune with what's happening um, from an analytics perspective. Is your handicapping different then? I guess maybe when you were you know an 18 year old kid looking at the form guide to pick a horse, you're just trying to pick someone who you think is going to win. Now, do yep. you have to handicap a little bit differently? Do you do much handicapping at all, or how do you approach the the time you're spending on? understanding the tennis players or the the soccer or football teams yeah well i'm really fortunate that with the the betfair trading community we've got a stats engine on there um for tennis and for football so for me i just i just put my data into that and created my filters and it shooks out the, the selections for me so i don't have to actually do that much handicapping anymore and um, i am presently um, I read a book called The Football Code, which is 
about a guy, I can't even remember his name now, but he is a very successful gambler and he has bought two football teams. Brent Brentford is one of the teams, I believe. And he's applied a statistical approach to it, to gambling, and he used the Asian handicaps to to create serious serious success in betting. So that's something that I'm using the BTC software at the minute for to see if I can create a handicapping, um, Asian handicapping betting system or edge. And so that is currently the only sort of handicapping I do at the moment. Okay, that's Matthew Benham, right? Yes, that's yes. the one. Have yes, you read it? Yes. No, I haven't. I got recommended it. Um, it's it's on my list, and I've read Anti Fragile and a few other of Taleb's books, and I wanted to get to Food by Randomness as well. And I believe he's got another one coming out early in 2018 as well. So they're piling oh, up. But um, be on my list. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let's talk price. Unlike bookies and totes, the Betfair Exchange is a low-margin, buy-sell, fixed-odds marketplace where the value stays with the punter, not the house. Ready for the game within the game? Join betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. I want to talk about some of the the odds uh, and the fluctuations before we do. I've spoken to a few different traders, and I always ask them, it sounds like I know what you're going to say, but is the life of a sports trader boring? Not for me. Not at all. Okay, because there's a lot of effort, there's a lot of work, there's a lot of hours. It's not as simple and easy as I guess we would hope. There's no Ferraris necessarily involved, or maybe there is, but in general there's probably not. Um, and it's a, it could be a lonely place, I would imagine, but it sounds like you've got um, well, more optimism. Yeah, I think it did used to be. So go, I go back to this point where I assess my trading. So a few years ago, I was literally sat at the computer my day my day looked like this i'd get up in the morning i would go to the gym um, and then i'd come back sit at the computer literally all day before the racing starts and i would be looking for anything to to create an angle doing the research that all traders are doing and then i'd literally sit scalp the horse racing markets i'd already had my sort of pre-race trades on as well the ones that were steaming or drifting i'd be getting in and out of them and then I'd start scalping. And then at night, I'd be looking at a bit of football and maybe a bit of tennis during the day. And I just had this, I'd done that for for a good couple of years. And I just sat down one day and I was, I was genuinely honest, I was miserable doing that. I was bored because it's not fun just literally clicking. It's almost robotic, clicking into a trade, clicking out for a trade because you can see that you can scalp and make five pounds. And what I did was I, I really looked at where my profit was coming from. And I was just doing horses just out of habit. Yes, I was making profit and I was making good profits on football and tennis. But I just looked and thought, do you know what? I've got a good size bank to go with. If I narrowed down my selections and I upped my stakes, I could basically scale up on the football and the tennis, I wouldn't have to do as many trades, but I would still make good money and then that would free me up. And then around that time, that's when I created um, Betfair Trading Community as well because I wanted a place where traders could go because like like you pointed out, it is a lonely 
existence that we've picked. And you try telling somebody that you trade on Betfair, they haven't got a clue what you're on about. They just think you're a gambler and that you're going to lose all your money and they're going to see you on the street one day. Yeah. Um, so those two things have really changed my, my sort of trading life, really honing in and focusing on what I actually enjoy about, about trading and one of those reasons is watching women play tennis. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Um, I absolutely love that. And I love tennis completely. Um, and then scaling that up. And then Betfair was getting a lot bigger. So there's a lot more money in in the markets in tennis. So I could scale my stakes up and just be really analytical with your trades. You know, I think. When people come into trading, it's fast, it's exciting. And then there's this whole thing about, you know what, if it moves, let's trade it. So people just start trading everything when they really don't need to. And then an, another observation that I've seen is that people overcomplicate it. You know, there's this sort of almost feeling, and I know this because over many, many years, hundreds of people have come through the doors of BTC or have spoke to them on Twitter or whatever. And it's almost like they have to be set on fire while being chased by a tiger running up a mountain to actually be successful at trading. And there's lots of different <laughs> ways. <laughs> it's, a, it's the analogy I always use, but it doesn't have to actually be that difficult because there's so many markets out there and, and most of them have a good amount of money on them and you can scale your trading up accordingly. So if you are if you are a good if you've got a knack for picking games that are going to finish under 2.5 then and stick to that and just scale that up and and just really hone in on the data and and yourself and be brutally honest with yourself it changed it genuinely did change my my trading for life when i did those two things it's very interesting and probably good advice for those out there i i want to talk about prices because i know i'm sure there's recreational betters out there who better match at a certain price and the odds change or, or maybe a horse and it goes from you know four to one to three to one and they've they've um either got four to one or three to one and they're either very happy or pulling their hair out what about for the what about for traders how how much value or importance is there on price obviously it's critical and it'll impact your money in the bank at the end of the year but are you spending a lot of time evaluating i guess in your trading plan what price you want to have um in your pocket and then what price you're going to get out of or i mean because trying to get the top price on betfair is practically impossible i would imagine so how do you mm. how do you approach the the pricing aspect of your trading well i have um a couple of models that that i use and um i use a, a poison distribution model for some of my in-play trades so that does all the calculations for me on what is the current sort of I've come, blah, blah, blah. I'll start again. A poison distribution model. That gives me, when I input the stats, what the price should be based on that model. And then I go off and check that on Betfair and see whether it's higher or lower than that. If it's higher than that, then I use the Kelly Criterion calculator to work out the value of that. If that's over 10% value, then I look at that. So I'm not actually too worried really where what price I'm that is in the market at the moment because if it's at a certain price now and I don't perceive that as value through my calculations on football, then I just I just leave it alone. Um, when I'm doing the pre-match stuff, I calculate the the amount matched on a certain team away home away or draw, 
I compare that to to the implied odds and then I take the difference away. And then if that figure is sort of over 25, 30%, then that's a, a highlighted value potential for me to dig into. Um, and then with tennis, I won't back a, a tennis player that's 1.6 or below. Um, and then I have a method, again, of creating um, what appears to be a value um, trade. So if a tennis player is 1.6 or below, that gets past my first criteria. And then I start to narrow in on those games. But I don't, I don't, really, look, don't really look at a horse and think, if I can get in at four to one, I will. Um, it's all sort of reverse engineered, if that makes sense. Yeah, interesting. So, what about how do you utilize bookmakers, if at all? If uh, Paddy Power or, or Three Six Five have, you know, one point seven, and, and it's one point six on Betfair for whatever reason, and it passes your criteria, and you want to bet, do you get involved at all in using bookmakers, or do you use them as a guide? What are some of the things, if at all, do you use the bookmakers for? So, I don't actually use the bookmakers for any placement of bets. Um, everything I do is always through the exchanges, even my sort of set and forget actual bets that I place. The only bookmaker I do use um, just to monitor odds is Pinnacle because they're like the gold standard of, of odds. Um, and if I am looking at a, a, a football match that I think is going to come in, the price is going to come in, I do compare that to Pinnacle to see where their odds are at. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Trading favourites, and it might be different, I guess, in horse racing or, or sports, but is it fair to say that they're the most match a lot of the favourites and there's certain strategies you can use for trading favourites? Yeah, the, the, the trading, the whole thing with trading is that a lot of people, you, you do the opposite of what the whole mug world are doing. So you're going to oppose a lot of the mugs. Um, and then so sometimes you are actually laying the favourite while they the mugs are backing the favourite um, because that's how it works for us in trading. Um, but you are completely correct. A lot of the time, the favourites are the most traded because many, many reasons that, you know, you could do a whole week on content about it. But it's just people like in the pub with their mates, oh, Man City are definitely going to win tonight. Oh, they're playing West Brom or whatever. So lots of people load onto them. So, yes, lots of people do back the favourites. Okay, interesting. So, are those, how does that mug money get onto the Betfair exchange? I wouldn't imagine everyone can easily, you know, operate there. They prefer corporates, or is that incorrect to say? Well, the Betfair price in all of the bookmakers' prices are, are very similar. So, Betfair is always going to be higher because of the, the exchange and the perceived value that you can have on Betfair. Um, but, all of the prices are going to move pretty similar. So even if the mugs are are on on bet three six five or whatever, it's still going to drive the price the same way. You're not going to be able to sort of arbitrage between the bookmakers and, and Betfair um, because of the way that the way that the whole market and industry is. It's it's very closely aligned, and and the book is made up that way. Okay, and. Do you have any tips for the average weekend Betfair trader or maybe not advice on what they should be doing but what they shouldn't be doing? So don't don't take your horse in play. If That's my first tip to absolutely every trader. What do you mean by that? Uh, what do you mean don't take your horse in play? 
don't if you're so if your strategy is to so let me rephrase that have a trading plan so get your data and all of your the way that you perceive that event to go whether that's before or after and um, before or after the event make sure that you know what price you're getting in at and what price you're getting out at so if you are trading a horse in the last 10 minutes before the race starts because that's when some of the money's coming in and you've spotted that horse coming down if you're backing that horse eight minutes out and you haven't hit your price just before it starts take the loss or take the profit but do not take that in play if your whole strategy is to be involved pre-race so my main advice is just get a trading plan um and just stick to it and it doesn't even need to be the most technical thing in the world mine is literally i use evernote and um and i mean i'm more than happy to to share an example i can email one of those over to you so you can put it on the the page and the listeners can listen to it and it's just literally what time the event starts your your plan for that event so that you know they are the rules to trade that so you don't veer off and start trading for no reason yeah that makes complete sense complete sense so what about how critical is money management i know i spoke to someone recently who said you know money management should be 60 or 70 percent of what a professional punter is doing uh it's just not the way it works because of the way you know people get involved through passion and they want to do the form or they want to look at the sports or they want to watch the the races or the matches and then they want to be trading and they want to be active involved it sounds yeah. like it's, it's a key component, whether it needs to be that much of your time, but how do you value money management? Oh, it's huge. It is absolutely huge. It's it's very... I always make... I'm full of analogies for some reason, but <laughs> in, normal, in normal life, people go to work and they are bad days for most people. The good days are their holidays. So the bad days, i.e. work, pays for the good days, your holidays. Now, in trading, we need to flip that. So the good trading days, right, where it's exactly the same in life, in the normal life, you might not have that many compared to bad days, but they pay, the good trading days pay for the bad trading days. They keep you in the game if you've managed your money correctly. So if you protect that bank, and it's so important to protect that bank, you cannot double your bank in a week and if you can you've also got to then re, re understand that you could lose that bank in that week yeah and most people it's they, they come into trading because they've done match betting where they're used to winning all the time or they're gambling and they're sick of it so two different mindsets coming into trading and then if you're used to winning all your bets and then you end up losing a few that affects your money management and you're like, oh, let's go chase some losses. That's wrong. And if you come from a, a betting world, a lot of people struggle to understand that you're going to get small amounts consistently. But that compounded up leads into the bigger long-term growth. So they might go on Twitter and see. I, I mean, Matt from Punt.com is amazing. Some huge trades, fantastic. People might look at that and go, oh, but I only made like 5p on my trade. 
but it's irrelevant how much you make. It's the consistent, the small amounts consistently that if you stick to, because money management is just one part of trading, the mindset is the other part. So if you start with small amounts and you build up gradually, the markets move the same, they're mechanical. So when you start moving up your stakes, unless, of course, a little disclaimer here, unless, of course, you're dropping like 10, 15 grand in a, uh, an odds, you're going to move that market. But the markets move the same. The only thing that changes is you. So if you've gone from placing a £2 bet to a £5 bet to a £7 bet to a £10 bet, gradually you will stay profitable consistently over the time if you've got the right strategy, etc. Whereas if you place the £2 bet, get absolutely fed up because your bank isn't growing quick enough and go, oh, I've got £100 in my bank, I'm going to place a tenner on now. And then you go, oh, that lost, so I'm going to do another tenner. Oh, no, 30 quid, 40 quid, and then you've blown your bank. Money management and mindset are the two biggest components of of trading in my eyes. Yeah, that's that's certainly great advice. I want to, before I let you go, talk a little bit about Betfair trading community. And before we do, um, you mentioned it before, BTC, given what's happened in the crypto world, I hope you have a few trademarks or btc.com or .co.uk or yes. I hope you're sitting on some good IP there. What made you start Betfair Trading Community? So Betfair Trading Community was started because I wanted a place for traders to go and chat. I wanted a trader's haven effectively where the whole ethos was that no question is a daft question, which still stands today yep. because it's a really confusing world that we're in and it's tough. So I wanted a place where people could go open, openly chat about trading, about markets and share information and, and things that they'd spotted so that we could get rid of some of the white noise. And that has been one of the best things I've ever done. Um, we're currently sat at about 600 members. Uh, we've got full stats software for football, which you can save your your filters on. So if you bet on under 2.5, you don't have to now go to six websites to pull all of your data every single day. You can just stay with the one BTC site and have your filters saved. And then every single day or five days advance, it's completely up to you. You can have those filters on one page and you can see them um, which is really really powerful and we have tennis software on there which does exactly the same and then we also have some members filters because of the nature of, of what we do and we help members and some of those have been quite quite profitable so they have given back to the community and shared their filters with with members so they're all preloaded and then we have a, a fully engaged forum where where everybody can talk and videos on there and yeah, it was just uh, created really to uh, to sort of have a place to keep us sane, really, because nobody <laughs> wants to just sit in a room in their in their house or office or whatever and struggle to trade on their own, really. So, did that emanate from? And if anyone here in, is in the US, they know what gambling Twitter is like in the US. I'm sure it's maybe similar and different parts of the world as well and, and forums certainly in the gambling world can get uh pretty tough to frequent was that part of the motivation at all yes yeah definitely huge part of the motivation and is it significantly it's significantly improved do you think um since you build up this community 
Yes. And I've built the community around the one rule that, you know, there is no daft question. So that's the whole ethos of the community. And then the members are bought into that. So you literally get, if you sign up, you get absolutely hammered with, with that via me, via emails and, and stuff like that. So that you know that the whole ethos around this community is to help people and to actually be a place a safe haven where you can ask those questions and, and integrate with the, the people who are just like you. So is that the best way for the listeners to find out more and I guess contact you and get involved in the community? Are you on Twitter or what's some other places they can go? Yes, I'm on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Ryan Carruthers. It's at Ryan Carruthers 919. Um, if they want to go to betfairtradingcommunity.com, there's loads of free content on there as well, blogs and and strategies that, that we give away completely free. Um, and then if they want to delve any deeper, just click email me and you'll get through to me on there. Uh, and I personally check the emails as well. So you will actually get to speak to me personally. Awesome, Ryan. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I certainly learned a lot. Not being a Betfair trader myself, it's fun to uh, ask one of the pros all the questions that I think about and hopefully they weren't too silly and I'm glad that no. Your number one rule is that no question is a silly one. So hopefully, <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully the listeners got a little bit about it, a little bit out of it. And if they're much more advanced than I am, they can certainly reach out to you, which is very cool. So thanks again for your time. Yeah. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au, and please support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Gamble responsibly.